Hello and welcome to the 20th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Remion. Welcome to The Academy. Well, week three, we know who the focus is. It's Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're highlighting him this week. His amazing collaboration with James Cameron obviously hits its high, high point this week. Interesting, though, I was talking to Patrick right before we came on the air. You had never seen Terminator 2 Judgment Day or True Lies before. Neither. It, it's, it's an interesting thing, this kind of idea of like being surprised when someone hasn't seen something that means something to you. It's like, you've never saw... The Mandalorian, you should go jump off a bridge. You know, that's oh, yeah. not, that's inappropriate behavior. Rude, rude. It's rude. Oh, I just, I, a million dollar idea I just had when you said that. Okay, you know, we're going to get back to what you're saying really quickly. Yeah. You know, little, you know, Calvin, that little, like that, like the thing on the back of cars. Like the little, Oh, the pissing. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Now take out Calvin, put in Baby Yoda. <gasps> Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Millions of dollars, my friend. Get Lucasfilm on the freaking Robert Iger, the CEO of Disney. Yeah. Get him on the phone. This is because guess what you could do with this sticker? You could have a theme park ride, a water based Jurassic Park <laughs> the Ride style theme park ride. <laughs> Going through, uh, you enter Grogu's mouth. I smell both animated and live action possibilities both theatrical and obviously uh tv spinoff i mean oh. I, I i'd like to know the piss's origin story what is, if, what is the tale of the pea <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> wow you just opened a pandora's box of ip it's pre-existing people know this they yeah. know this and they love this image <laughs> i just can't wait to go around uh, the star wars section of disneyland and get a, a get a thermos of, of warm grogu pee it's like the butter uh, beer at yeah. the Harry Potter exhibit at the Universal uh, Universal Studios. Same thing. I would say uh, neck and neck in terms of cultural impact. Yep. It's gonna, yeah. It'll taste like, uh, it's like, oh, this tastes like portions. Yep. 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 So uh, if you're listening and you try and steal that idea, we are very litigious. Yep. We Just will... heads up. We will sue <laughs> the hell out of you. <laughs> yeah, we'll sue the hell out of you. And yeah, even you, Disney, we're looking. Yeah. You know what? That's the ultimate twist in this story. We're suing Disney. <laughs> yeah, this is our idea now. We take that. Yeah. And what are we suing for? Everything. We're taking Baby Yoda for us. Yeah, we're, and we're taking all the Baby Yoda, Maggie Simpson, uh, mm-hmm. the, the baby from Ice Age, because I think Disney owns Blue Sky Studios. Oh, RIP. RIP Blue Sky Studios. All around litigious. Which, yes. you know, it does, you know, we'll, we will come back to because ip lawsuit like ip related lawsuits are going to come up today with a terminator 2 judgment and who owns the dang rights to terminator who does but uh it is interesting kind of this like you see it online a lot you see it like in i think back in the day it used to be uh record store clerks or video store clerks screaming at people you've never seen blood simple you know shit like that (laughs) yeah you fool it, or or like in even in the high fidelity movie jack black screaming at someone for never having seen evil dead 2 it's inappropriate behavior because like i'm really 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 excited to hear what patrick has to say about terminator 2 and true lies because i've seen them both 
dozens of times. Uh, you know, we'll, they were both huge videos in my family's collection growing up. We watched them over and over again. So it's interesting that not having that experience, I was just sharing with Patrick the other night as we're recording the week that uh, Coming to America, the sequel, the second one was released. My wife, Jen, wanted to watch it. And I had to reveal that I had never seen the original Coming to America. And she kind of, she kind of like was pretty stunned by that. And so we all have blind spots is what I'm getting at. I mean, next week we're talking about two that I hadn't seen before Titanic and Avatar. Pretty big films, pretty big films. Um, Oh, uh, speaking of which big Avatar news today, we're recording on um, Tuesday, March 9th. Surprise re-release of Avatar in China this coming weekend. Now, Avatar is down by just over $7 million on the all-time box office of Avengers Endgame. We, we know what you're all thinking out there. I know what Patrick's thinking. China, get your asses to the movie theater. Let's, let's, let's get the rightful king back on top. Please, China. <laughs> Please, we're, we're counting on you. The world needs a win. Chairman G, Chairman yeah. G, please order it. Make it an executive order. Yeah. You remember? Can you imagine like Tom Cotton coming up in the Senate after he does that? China, it's a fascistic rule. They're making people see Avatar. Yeah. We don't want that here in the United States. It's Avatar as a choice. They've got everyone in Macau watching it in the damn gambling casinos. Yeah, first Avatar, what next? What is China taking next? Uh, Hopefully, you know, the helping James Cameron take his rightful spot as uh, top grocer of all time. I cannot wait to talk about Avatar. It'll be next week's episode. I've seen it now, though. And uh, I got a lot of thoughts. Got a lot of thoughts on both that and Titanic, but we should probably just dive in and get to today's business. What do you think, Patrick? Oh, I'm so ready. Yeah, me too. These these are top-of-the-line films. So where we left off, James Cameron was coming out of the abyss. He was uh, newly divorced, but not for long. Because of the very same year as he divorced to Gail Lane Hurt, he married... <laughs> Catherine Bigelow, the absolute, as we all know, badass director coming off of, uh, she had just done Blue Steel with Jamie Lee Curtis, who we'll be getting into later on, and was in the process of developing, I think, yes, she won Best Picture and Director for Hurt Locker, but she was developing her magnum opus, Point Break, at this time period, which James Cameron came on as a producer on and uh, also I did some uh, writing for, and it really, that Near Dark, and of course, Martini Ranch music video kind of all coalesces in this time period of uh, the Bigelow, Paxton, Hendrickson, Cameron universe all coming together, these wonderful artists at the peak of their game. But Point Break is being developed at the same time as Cameron had finished The Abyss, he, the abyss was did okay as we talked about last week. It yeah. was not, wasn't like the continued over the top success that he felt with 
Terminator and Aliens. So he kind of was thinking perhaps go back to maybe something of a sure bet in a way. He had an idea and the effects that they had done in the abyss gave him confidence that some of his dream effects that he wanted to use earlier in Terminator could perhaps be now accomplished. And then he began discussions with Arnold Schwarzenegger and that which led to Terminator 2 Judgment Day being kind of the next project for all for the two of them. Uh, by this point, Arnold had become, whereas he was kind of a fun anomaly in 1984 in Terminator 1, by 1991 with Terminator 2, Arnold was among the biggest stars in the universe. And I think we could dive in here. We'll, we'll talk more production. We'll talk more casting. We'll get into that. But I really felt the difference in his performances. Like, he's so much more self-aware in Terminator 2. Yeah. It definitely has a meta element in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Which I think we might as well just tear the Band-Aid. I think the one false step in Terminator 2 is the bad to the bone soundtrack song uh it's the only thing in the movie that's like ah that's a little on this like surface like move like uh, and i wonder if that was an arnold pitch to be perfectly honest i i could have been an arnold pitch i could see it being like i could see james cameron being like because he's like you know he has like martini ranch he has his own, like, I think he has, like, he loves motorcycles. He loves, he does, yeah. And I think he grew up in the age of George Thorogood, so I can see him being an unironically huge Thorogood head. Yeah. And, and just being like, yeah, this is bad to the bone. Like, uh, but you know what? I, it's so funny. I watched it a second time to gay. Still didn't like it then, but it was like, I was like, you know what? I think it was just like the shock of seeing it the first time and being like, I think, like, the earnestness of it. There is no way in God's green earth in the year of our Lord 2021 when a scene that earnest would ever be created. Like a scene where like a guy comes out to popular music and thinks he's that cool or like that type of like, I don't know. Like if if you ever made a movie where like a guy comes out of a bar with a leather jacket and like, you know, uh, an Aerosmith song is playing or whatever, like that would only be for a bit or a goof. yeah. I I think the the other interesting thing is like, and I'm trying to remember back, and I I, you know, as a kid, this really does rig through this idea of like Arnold being genuinely like considered like a cool tough guy. I think now we kind of think of him like, oh, he, whoa, it's weird he was the governor. Whoa, it's crazy that he had a love child with his maid. Uh, he seems to be, he seems to have really have social media down. He's very good at like Twitter and Instagram, and he's like seventy now. So thinking back to nineteen ninety one, and I kind of was like going a little down memory lane today. I mean, I had like a films of Arnold Schwarzenegger book Ooh. at this exact time period that had like all of his movies from I think like I think there was even pictures from like Hercules in New York. All the way up through pretty much right when, ter- like, because Terminator 2 was kind of the, um, Terminator 2 was such a big deal. I, Patrick, we've, we've kind of mentioned to the audience before, you were, you were, you were born in 91? Yeah. Okay, this is crazy because 
So I was born in 82. So I'm nine when this yeah. movie comes out. And That's if like you the... can, you could imagine what a nine-year-old would feel about this movie. This it like was a... like the most exciting thing in the entire world. Yeah. I was near John Connor's age. And it was just like, you could put yourself in there. It's like, oh, Arnold's here. But this T-1000 is super scary and unstoppable. And it's just, it was so thrilling. I mentioned before I had a movie poster and to digress too, I saw it so many times um, that I got, I had uh, never, it was such a strange thing. I watched so many times and the, the scene where um, Sarah Connor has the vision of the nuclear Holocaust. That scene is, yeah. <laughs> so my, to my nine-year-old eyes, I kept seeing it. I kept and I started doing the math in my head. I was like, 1991, 1997. That's only like six years from now. Yeah. And it, like every time I thought about it, I got more and more neurotic and freaked out about like the upcoming nuclear holocaust to <laughs> the point I was out to dinner with my parents and I was so in my head and so having like an anxiety attack about thinking of what was going to come that I ended up saying I gotta go to the bathroom and my dad found me in the hallway by the bathroom at this restaurant crying. Oh my god. I, yeah and I explained like what I was feeling about like Terminator 2 was saying this it was so scary. <laughs> uh, and I mean it's very like an innocent like what would ha- what does happen to kids when they see movies when they're too young to fully like comprehend the entire thing but that would be a scene where my parents would have to take me out of the theater crying like I've yeah happened to me maybe like twice uh <laughs> or like maybe <laughs> actually more probably i don't know i was a sensitive kid but like uh i got taken out for uh <laughs> it's so funny like maybe when you were t- getting taken out for uh uh terminator 2 a few years later i would be taken out for muppet treasure island oh, oh it was, ha- yeah it happens scared when the when the pirates when the muppet pirates invaded uh, the hotel, uh, you know, uh, what is the protagonist of Treasure Island? Michael Caine, is it? No, no, he's in Christmas. Uh, that's Christmas, that's Christmas. Christmas. Girl. I don't remember. I don't no, remember. I, I, I don't even remember the kid. I was just trying to think of the the, the literary whoever uh, little little pirate boy. Whenever they uh, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, John Hawkins. No, <laughs> John Hawkins. I don't know. Tom. John, Jonathan Harker was Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula. That is true. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tom Steyer. It was a little young Tom Steyer. Uh, but, uh, Steyer? <laughs> I just thought of that. that you, remember that? you remember that video of Tom Steyer just like uh, rocking out to... What was that group he was rocking out to? I'm going to look this up. I'm, I'm doing All right. I'm, but I'm, <laughs> I, I was going to mention like uh, my favorite... I have a favorite all-time having to be raced out of the theater crying story from oh, my family. Yeah, hit me, yeah. So uh, we were on vacation in near Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the kind of the more oceanside kind of uh, resortier towns, vacation towns. And uh, as a family, okay, so I was born in 82. My brother was born in 86. We went and saw in its opening run Beetlejuice as a family together. That's so good. We we're all very excited about it. But it turned out my brother, who was probably all of three or four, uh, <laughs> was not having a good time at all on Beetlejuice and he was just bawling and screaming his head off 
that my dad had to pick him up and go out into the lobby. And so I'll, I'll never forget. I was there and I was actually totally petrified as well, but I didn't want to show it. So I was like really trying hard not to look nervous or anything. But I was like, this is freaking me out, man. This movie was crazy. And then my dad was up in the lobby and they had the door open to the movie theater and he was holding my brother off behind the door and kind of like peeking his head into the theater because he was he wanted like thinking back he's like he's like younger than i am now oh, of course he, of course he wanted to see beetlejuice yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it was this new movie it was crazy he was like 35 you know it's like <laughs> And yeah, and, I, and we were always like giving my brother crap. It's like, oh, you're crying at Beetlejuice. And he's like, yeah, I was three. What do you expect? You all took me when I was too young. He's like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why did but, you take me to see twins? Yeah. <laughs> Which we, oh, and I mean, that was that. Thank you for bringing up twins, actually, because twins is kind of the movie that put Arnold over the top for everyone. Because like, there's obviously like people like my dad or, me as like an eight-year-old who are who thought like terminator predator or commando were very wonderful things but he does twins and he does kindergarten cop and he proves wait a second this guy's hella endearing and funny and he's an enjoyable guy to be around and it just opened up the door i something that like stallone and van damme or those guys could never um because they they don't they're not they don't have like the easy charm yeah arnold does and it, you know i like i saw a year or two ago now this film called stay hungry which is arnold's like first speaking role he ever had it's a movie directed by bob rapelson who did five easy pieces in the king of marvin garden mm-hmm. and basically it's about kind of corruption within the bodybuilding scene in the southern town which is weird yeah but it's it was an issue so jeff bridges is, is like he owns the gym and it's and Arnold is, of course, basically playing a bodybuilder at this point. But he's given lines. He gets to play fiddle with, like, a bluegrass group. Um, and he's wonderful in the movie. You just love him. And it's like, how do you be in a movie and out-charm Jeff Bridges? Is it possible? Well, Arnold does it in this one. And you can just see, like, he's just, a, he's just like, one of the funnest people to watch. And... Terminator 2 kind of feels like he's like absolutely flexing and kind of doing like the peak Arnold stuff. Oh, yeah. So like we get dig in real quick. Like, so basically Cameron always had ideas to make a, a sequel to the Terminator idea, but there was like when they put the original packaging together for Terminator, the budget and everything, there was a lot of like hands in the cookie jar for it. So to figure out who owned the rights to it to make a sequel required um, a lot of legal entangling and uh, kind of like every Arnold wanted to do it, Cameron wanted to do it. They had, uh, hooked up with these up and coming producers at this company called Carlico Pictures. I remember as a kid, the Carlico logo post Terminator 2, if it was before a movie, I was... Uh, it's like, oh, this this should be a good one. <laughs> I was I had my high confidence in their brand, uh, but it took them like a while. Eventually, Carlico paid uh, the last of them, the last of the producers, five million dollars for the franchise in 90, 1990, resolving the gridlock. Uh, so the end of legal disputes combined with Cameron Schwarzenegger and Hamilton were all raring to go. They're all excited to do it. Uh, 
Cameron started working on a script. He presented it to Arnold, uh, and Arnold was going to be the good guy in this one. And Arnold was quite concerned. He didn't want to be soft. He didn't put it that nicely, but we won't. We don't need to quote what he said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could look it up. It's probably fairly easy to find what let's, he said. Let's just say, did uh, that uh, it was bad to the bone? Yeah, just as uncool as the use of bad to the bone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they got it all set up, and this one, like, the uh, budget for the first Terminator was something like $14 million. The budget for Terminator 2 Judgment Day was $102 million in 1991 dollars. 3.5 times the cost of, like, an average film <laughs> released that year. and approximately 15 times the budget of the original terminator in 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 the moment terminator 2 was the most expensive film ever made significant portion of the budget went to the main players including arnold schwarzenegger received a gulfstream jet as part of his payment 12 million dollar jet and cameron himself received around six million just to write and direct the, the film. But it, <laughs> interestingly enough, it nearly recovered its budget prior to its release. Worldwide rights were sold for 65 million, video for 10, television for seven, and so forth. Um, so basically, Cameron, like we mentioned earlier, the effects was a big goal for him in this one, in particular, the T1000 character and the morphing from the liquid metal stuff which i'll admit dude i hadn't seen this movie in a little while i thought it still looked terrific for the most part it's really effective i would say that like 90 percent of it holds up pretty well there might be like Mm -hmm. one or two moments that like aren't perfect but like it's and part of it's like i think they they chose to have the uh, t1000 made of mercury because they like kind of decided that like Mercury, even when it's just like out in nature, looks like it was made by like a CGI department. <laughs> it's just a very weird, peculiar mm-hmm. metal, like, uh, and it's just easy to for a computer to kind of like mock. And I, I was reading up on it, and the just the combined forces in this of like state of the art effects at ILM with the like just rad hands on ingenuity of the Stan Winston designs. Ooh. And how seamless it all is. Like, it's very difficult to tell what's a CG, what's a practical. It mm-hmm. just, it's really cool. And that kind of gets us to the casting of the T-1000 character. I found this, I found him terrifying as a kid, by the oh, way. A hundred percent. Well, and like the, the little, I think the most terrifying things are like when he like shows, like they're very, like they're maybe like you can count them on one finger the times he shows emotion mm-hmm. or like a personality and that for me is like the most horrifying th- those are the most horrifying moments in the movie where he like uh goes up to that uh police officer with the motorcycle and was like oh that's a nice ride yeah like, oh, that dude's dead yeah he was <laughs> just so he's just so scary and you know in retrospect i think because it's so sci-fi mm-hmm. that frankly arnold's uh, police station attack with just guns mm-hmm. in the first Terminator is currently a little more real world terrifying than T-1000 is. But that doesn't mean like Robert Patrick is a real touch of genius in casting. I mean, he's got a great look. 
Uh, he was apparently a former college athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, and Cameron had it in mind that basically the way he described it, he's like, if T1, if the original Terminator model is like a Panzer tank, then T1000 is the hottest Porsche on the market. He wanted sleek, slender, and efficient rather than kind of bull in the china shop you know run through walls that arnold like it's just a very different look right. than arnold and um patrick was nothing if not committed he apparently learned how to sprint while breathing through his nose so you never see he doesn't look, look like he's working when he in all the the running scenes that he was doing mm-hmm. and oddly enough he got so good at it that i read he um caught the motorcycle that John Ed, John Connor and tapped Edward Furlong on the shoulder and was like, "You, we got to go faster because this guy's freaking cooking. And he's great. I mean, like, I, I, I like him every time he shows up in movies ever since then. This was the second time I had ever seen him because he's also uh, one of the terrorists in Die Hard 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he dies early on, though. But uh, regardless, uh, he's memorable in that as well. He's just... He's got, like, I'm sure he could play, like, I'm sure he has played more tender or um, good guy kind of parts, but he's born to be just a great bad guy. Oh, he's, he's wonderful in Walk Hard as Stewie Cox's father. Yes. What a great little <laughs> weird uh, he gives in that movie. Yeah, he's, he's, re- he's, he's just a really good actor. He's definitely someone I think you could just absolutely rely on mm-hmm. you know and I, I almost everyone Cameron casts in especially in like the supporting roles are just like people he knows will get the job done at their really really high level but we should probably move he's he's amazing he's terrifying move over to uh, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor and this is a really like in the same way that Sigourney Weaver's Ripley in aliens is a real define this is a really defining like major league action role and it's an incredible performance i think it's another one like i we mentioned scorny weaver was nominated for best actress at the academy awards i think that this was overlooked what she does in this film and the training she did which in terms of everything from uh learning how to <laughs> reload guns in the dark with their eyes closed (laughs) all sorts of special forces stuff it's like very like very wild uh she hired a ex um ex-israeli special forces agent to train her he's like learning proto krav maga yeah and i guess cameron was well we get to that in a moment but it's quite hands-on he was very like serious about giving her like the most like badass role of all time and yes hands-on because they did wind up having an affair <laughs> over the course of shooting and yep. he married her later on yep. um there's like two things i've learned from like watching james cameron like the dude loves motorcycles and the dude has a very specific because <laughs> there's a type of lady he likes he really really likes uh mentally and physically strong women yes and hey Cool, you know, <laughs> wonderful, you know. Good on you. Yeah, good on you. And she's so good in this, and I, I was so blown away by like 
oh, just the end of like it's always it was like when we were kids we used to always like be on the playground with like a baseball bat or something doing the one arm shotgun <laughs> recocking thing because it was so badass and it was just like watching it this time and like on my way to being a parent myself like the way she was protecting her son at the end of it when you thought Arnold was out down for the count you're like this is so thrilling because like I, it's like something like Tarantino talks about like this idea of like having it wide open that anything could happen that the tension is so high that anyone could die we don't know what's going to go down and like I was watching it this time around and I was like, genuinely like I know it happens, but I was like, man, she she could die. They could lose. They've they've set this up, these stakes so well and so high, mm-hmm. and made T one thousand so unstoppable. He's taking care of Arnold, it seems. Mm-hmm. And now it's like we got this wounded human who has to go against him to save their son. And they're in um an all time like highest level action movie lava factory. Oh yes, I love it. They, all the, all the, all the, I love when they get the. You get to see, uh, you know, quick images of all those uh, construction, all the lava workers. You know, mm-hmm. got to make that lava. Got to get yeah. the lava to crack. It's, it's, it's a key, uh, key industry is the lava industry, as we've learned in many action films. Yeah. <laughs> lava doesn't erupt itself, folks. I noticed even in MacGruber, they're fighting at the end in like a lava factory. I was very happy that they added that little touch. But uh, uh, more lava factories. Yeah. But uh it's just it's such a compelling cuz she's so strong and so badass but it's mm-hmm. so vulnerable and so like broken too. And it's like people talk about like kind of the idea of grief and trauma being a pretty big theme in a lot of entertainment <laughs> these mm-hmm. days oddly enough. But obviously Sarah Connor would be totally fucked up from what happened to her in Terminator 1. Yes. Which she's aware of like, what's coming. I like, yeah, yeah she has it, every right to be very on edge, like at the, it, it, at no, the very it, least. It makes sense that like her best friend like lives what, what appears to be like the trailer park that like Randy Quaid lives in in Independence Day. Yeah, and might be like a very heavy duty arms dealer. Yeah, like, that yeah. part was wild. Also, okay, favorite part in that scene was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger quizzically picking up a baby by the back of its shirt. So good. Yeah, it is like, it is wild that, okay, so I had a friend when I started working at the record store who told me he thought Terminator 2 was a total piece of crap. Mm. He He's about eight or nine years older than me. And he thought it was because he thought it sold out kind of the fear, like making Arnold's character so soft, basically, like all of. But but I was like, you know what? The di- by softening him up, that is a two hundred and fifty to three hundred million dollar difference in box office is what that does. Yeah. By making him a good guy, making the biggest action star a good guy and doing this you know cheesy but still like it works well i think it surrogate works. father stuff mm-hmm. with uh john connor and have it given him jokes and that kind of stuff it just it's like it's cameron looking at things in this big picture of like what is satisfying well to, to add to your point i think james cameron more than anyone else realizes what stands the test of time and what doesn't 
And I think another key to this film's success is that the set pieces in this film stand. Every Cameron set piece stands the test of time for the most part. Yeah. Like the the the, the, the chase scene with the truck and the motorcycle. This to the 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 L A the L A River chase scene to oh. kind of that opens it up yes yeah. like and, classic moments oh and then the the helicopter like every chase scene in this is good and like just like the the amount of technical know-how to See, create the technical this. know-how the the way he like we talked a little bit about it with you know the first confrontation with the roses when the box opens up in the hall and he's got the shotgun but even like the way like when they're in the river and Schwarzenegger turns around with the shotgun and they do the pull in on Schwarzenegger, just like all the hero shots of of Terminator, it just are so cool. It, it, he is cool. Who am I kidding? I, I was saying he was kind of dorky earlier. He is cool. What am I saying? But yeah, like all of the set pieces, the the L.A. River chase, the raid on Cyberdyne. The way Arnold, they set it up when they're in the arms dealer and Arnold gets the sees the 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 Gatling gun, mm. and you're like, oh, he's taking that, which means my hopes are up. He's going to be using that thing right. later on. Definitely a case of Chekhov's Gatling gun. Yeah, yeah, into the yeah into the massive helicopter semi freeway chase, which is awesome. And I guess. Um, cool story another cool cameron showing uh cameron's like macho moves on set i don't think are matched by anyone in as a director so they had to do this shot where the helicopter goes under an underpass uh, overpass pardon me chasing uh arnold and sarah connor and like the camera operator was like i don't feel comfortable being a part of this camera goes but i'll show you what it means he grabs the camera himself and jumps on the chopper and he's like he's got a little hairy but we it looks great what a badass doing it again every time out you know and he offer he he's by this point in his career too he's operating the camera more and more he was yet to it wasn't until titanic when he started taking editing credits on the movies he's um he is he is one of the most hands-on filmmakers to ever live. There are stories on Terminator 2, even like he'd go into the art department and they'd be designing things and he'd come in and go, no, it should look like this, do a quick sketch, and everyone in the room's like, oh, you could be the art director on this movie. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's got he's got such a big ego, but then he backs it up almost every single time, which is just wild. You're actually right, though, the Patrick. I mean, the set pieces are kind of... Yeah. I, I mean, you know, the emotional stuff is there. I think it works really well. And it obviously had an effect on nine-year-old Don because I was crying about this movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> like, man, Edward Furlong is such a good every kid in this movie. Yeah. The fact that he is, like, a bit of a little punk in this is so, <laughs> like, refreshing. And it seems like they just, they like, they picked him out of, like, a... Pasadena Boys and Girls Club or something oh, like that. Yeah. And um I think she was like antagonistic towards like the casting director. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it was a big stretch yeah. to play a One thing though that is funny that this shoot in classic Cameron fashion went so long that he started getting taller and his voice started to change over the course of the shoot. 
to the point where they had to um some of the shots they had to dig a hole in the ground for him to stand in so they, they would be shorter as like the height he was earlier on I you but i get uh, i thought you were gonna say that uh, they got like deep roy or something to yeah. get this, as the stunt no. double like the guy who plays all the oompa loompas in the timber no, yeah. in the chocolate factory no no but no yeah close yeah. close but yeah he um and I guess uh, Schwarzenegger, they said, funny story Linda Hamilton told, she was like, he was, Schwarzenegger was so, like, caring off screen to Edward Furlong and really trying to be nice. But she was like, he was also telling, like, deeply inappropriate hookup stories with women he'd gotten with to Edward Furlong. <laughs> they're like, that, you know, they're like, that's Arnold. He's, uh, he's gregarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Uh, but, man, yeah. But yeah, they ended up, uh, so shoot, principal photography took 171 days. Wow. Because the big thing was they, uh, this is one of the earliest ones where they were totally locked into 1991 4th of July weekend to release this movie. Everyone kind of had the vibes that uh, this was going to be a big deal. This movie. Like there was Arnold at the peak of his game, a sequel just had a lot going for it uh very arduous tough shoot as usual the budget was super high they were working with producers who were um kind of those kind of guys who have a ton of money really want to be in the game but are are a little green yeah by all accounts cameron was as exacting as ever you know basically it was the most ambitious regardless of what they did on the abyss it was the most ambitious CGI to that time, you know, overtaking even our beloved Death Becomes Her. And this is still a predecessor to Jurassic Park, which took it all the way, basically. But I'm trying this to think is... of something comparable in terms of CGI. I guess like Back to the Future Part 3, maybe? Uh, yeah, they're all kind of coalescing at the same time, a lot of this stuff at ILM. Yeah. that they were doing like you know because like the effect in the abyss where they see the, their faces in the the water the alien creature that comes in and visits them that's a clear predecessor to what they did with t-1000 oh yeah and the liquid metal stuff like and that was what gave cameron he's like okay we can do that but we now instead of like one effect because like the, the the fear here was that um you know the abyss they could cut that scene yeah. And the movie would still work. Yeah, they can't cut T one thousand. Obviously, like the movie is dead if they don't take it over. You know, have this character completely work. And I think, like we said earlier, I think it really it still really works. It's still like a like I don't know. It really captures your imagination, even if the effects are a little older. Like just the idea of this like shape. It's weird how many like Marvel movies we've seen or new Star Wars movies we've seen would have all of these CG characters, all of this out of this world stuff. And why this still, to me at least, and maybe it's nostalgia, has works really, really well. And yeah. like it still really captures my imagination. And it might also be kind of the combination with um, the, like, the great makeup effects as Arnold gets more beat up. And deteriorates and how cool that looks that yeah that has improved so much from the uh 
first movie because I remember watching the original Terminator. Mm-hmm. The one part that kind of rings false is it's so clear when Arnold's taking out his eye that that's just like a uh, uh, prosthetic face. Yeah, uh, and uh, in this one, it just the uh, amount of attention to detail. You know, the money is being spent well in this film. Mm-hmm. And I love um, I love how vulnerable Arnold is physically in this one. You really kind of like. Despite the fact that he's a Terminator, we all know from the first one kind of like how much damage can be taken on. But like that part where at where they're trying to escape from Cyberdyne and he's taken on a lot of bullets. You know when that they drop the gas and he's going through the lobby, you're like, oh man, like he's really taking it. Is he gonna like be able to like? It's such a great feeling of like. Can he? Is he going to be able to make it as oh, far yeah. as he needs to make it to save the day in in this movie? Well, they really like yeah, they really heighten the stakes in that effectively. Like the amount of bullets he's receiving is just so massive. Yeah. So the scope, the scope has, and that, and I think that like parallels how the scope of Cameron's work has increased so much. Yeah. How quiet of a film comparatively? How much of a smaller, more intimate film Terminator is compared? Like Terminator is almost like a Blumhouse film. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I mean, a, like, it, like a, like it's a, like one step above, and I mean this like lovingly, like a B grindhouse action movie. Like, cool. like yeah. I, I, like we compared it a little like to Assault on Precinct Thirteen or something like that. Like, um, yeah, wow, what a great comparison. I love. And they're both; those are both like awesome movies. Yeah, but that is like the vibe. That's so funny. That is like the vibe of Terminator. Is it is kind of like grandhousey, and it's so much darker and grittier and slimier. He's than, uh, he's just more. He's just confident. He knows yeah. he can pull it off. And Terminator, and Terminator Two is just like fresh off the press. It is kind of like a. It's almost like comparing like Terminator is like that uh, greasy burger you get in a small like like a small shack down the street or whatever, and then like Terminator Two is like Shake Shack or like mm-hmm. a, like that's like like uh, or I'm trying to think of like a better one, but like it's, well, it's just like it's just it's just the, yeah, it's, it's just like the best version. Oh yeah, of it's, this sort of what what he's the milieu he's working in, mm-hmm. like action sci-fi. Oh, I mean, yeah. well, this... also like studio like huge yeah studio and it's so clean it's like a clean movie it it's clean very... but it's also clearly a james cameron film oh totally but Dude. it's like yeah and it's like well it's like i think james cameron like a lot of especially like these two movies i feel like there's like a an interesting his aesthetic in these films there's like a, a sterile and not in a bad way, but it's like, it's very like, uh, it just feels like I'm in a clean room in a mm-hmm. good way when I watch these movies. I don't know. Yeah, especially for the interiors. I think uh, yes, the, des- yes. the desert shots, the sunset stuff that they do in this are really gorgeous, mm, too. Yeah, like, I, it's got a great, I think this movie's got a great look. And I think, we, you know, I was just thinking, too, about kind of my 1991 self, my emotional reaction. And we're going to, um, yes, this movie's 30, so we feel very comfortable we're going to spoil the end so i cried in 1991 mm-hmm. at the end of this movie and when we watched it the other day i teared up at the very least uh it's in 91 you did not expect arnold to die mm-hmm. especially as a good guy basically like arnold was unstoppable and you felt like every bit of john connor's reaction to it and the fact that it's so perfectly keyed like everything that has that happens at the end of the movie in the final five minutes of this movie 
is correct. Yeah. Like to the highest level of what they want out of entertainment. It is. Okay, so Sarah Connor's making a last stand. She's wounded and totally up against it. We don't like as tough as she is and awesome as she is, the T1000 is seemingly unstoppable. And then when Arnold comes up just destroyed over that gear with the with the uh with the with the gun, oh, you're just like you know you this sense of like all encompassing relief of like yes you know <laughs> like because oh, like... it's like it's so raw what happens to it like they really beat the it, shit out of him yeah and it's like and it's so i was saying how clean this movie was earlier but like this scene where like he gets his arm ripped off it yeah is, it is gristly it is like it, it is like see you truly see machine viscera mm-hmm. it's very pleasing to me like i like it's very it's almost like yeah it has like that H.R. Geiger-esque flavor a little bit. The mixing of machine and like... Uh... Kind of comes close to what we talked about with like the interesting android stuff in the Alien franchise when they get injured. Mm-hmm. It's pretty a wild look when they get injured in their movies too. But yeah, he so he comes over the top. He They, they blast the T-1000 who finally like... The way he explodes is practically Cronenbergian where yes. he's like in like a different direction it's so cool and then he goes down into the lava pit and we see him morphing into everyone he's morphed into before which is an amazing effect and we're like wow that felt so good that they did that <laughs> they did that they won yeah. you know but then because it does it it's so logical that's the thing as a kid, I think, that gets to you and makes you cry even more because you understand that he has to make this sacrifice at the end of it. You're like, you want to prevent the apocalypse. They've tossed the chip. They've tossed the arm. They've gotten rid of T-1000. There is only one thing left to destroy. But unfortunately, it's our beloved Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and yeah, so he dumped... The thing I noticed this time around, which really moved me, the the line about how he can't self-destruct, you have to do it, and he hands it to her, which I feel really, really ties the entire story together of both films. Like, of course, she's the one who has to destroy him and lower him into the into it. It's been her destiny too. It's it's wonderful mythology and like kind of tying it all together and john connor reacts appropriately because it is a surrogate dad who's come to love yeah they lower him down and you're already upset and they're doing great cutting between all of them watching it happen and then a moment that everyone certainly in my class (laughs) was this like i was nine um i don't know third grade fourth grade or something like that Mm -hmm. the thumbs up which is probably the the thing that brought tears to many nine-year-old boys in my grades class. Uh, the final moment, Arnold gives him the thumbs up, like he, it's okay, and he's so human to do. It's beautiful. It made me cry again. I just was so moved. I, I this time around, I was almost cried though, just because of like the beautiful like movie making aspect of all of it like how it just ties it together everything makes perfect freaking sense it's just you're moved you're it's it's so satisfying yeah 
it's just completely and utterly satisfying. And everything kind of feels earned. And uh, like you said before, too, like the thing, like the weird uh, messianic, like religion, like uh, the idea of like, yeah, like Arnold kind of created like Sarah Connor in a weird mm-hmm. way. And then having her like, he has to like sacrifice himself for them. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's good stuff. It, yeah, it just kind of all, it all comes. It really just comes together nicely. I hadn't seen this in a long time. I don't know why I had, like I like I said many times, this was a huge movie for me growing up, but I don't know why I kind of like took some time away from this movie because this movie is so good. Like, I don't think I'd seen it since college. And I just got a brand new, the new Blu-ray edition of it. That was, I watched the uh, theatrical cut Blu-ray. Yep. Uh, director's cut does feature a Michael Bean cameo, just to, for all you Bean heads. Yeah, and you know there was a alternate ending mm-hmm. to the film that they shot that apparently did not go well in test screenings. So basically, it's a jump cut to the future with uh, Linda Hamilton in old age makeup, watching John Connor as like a senator, and they just felt like the ending instead where they're driving down the road and there's a little bit of a voiceover that's a little bit more hopeful not just the immediately you know yeah was just a little bit like less high-pitched of a move yeah Uh, let's be real if he was a senator he'd probably suck yeah yeah i know like milk toast senator he'd be like you know kind of like a pete udigage type yeah beto o'rourke yeah regular beto o'rourke yeah yeah kind of like yeah he's like a skate kid growing up and then yeah show his bona fides he's like oh look i've listened to newfound glory i'm cool I swear. yeah sick uh sick public enemy t-shirt he'll break out yeah where's the sick public enemy t-shirt so we should probably bring up he was um are you familiar you're too young for this salute your shorts the yeah. nickelodeon tv series i am i know what that is but i only know what that is because i'm a brain poison freak who's like okay nickelodeon wikipedia or whatever so the guy who plays his red-headed mulleted friend john oh. connors that is budnick from salute your shorts his other major role was on salute your shorts and he's probably was more it was when Terminator 2 came out and he was in it, everyone who I knew was like, Bunnick, whoa, he's in this too. <laughs> and we might as well jump to, so that was, every time, even this time around, I was like, Bunnick, what's he up to? Was kind of my, um, doing a lot of voice acting, sounds oh, like. So good, good for him. I'm glad, glad, glad he's around. I can't believe there hasn't been like someone who's like my age who gets to make films, who hasn't like tried to pull a Tarantino thing and uh, bring him back and give him, give him like, him or one of the Pete's from Avengers of Pete and Pete's or something oh, yeah. like that. Give, Tan- give Danny Tamborello oh, or other uh, redheaded child stars of the late '80s, early '90s. So when they are driving out, though, speaking, uh, it wouldn't be newfound glory. He'd be talking. His bona fides would be talking about how he was a Guns and Roses fan because <laughs> a key soundtrack placement of the song "You Could Be Mine," both. They're driving around on their motorcycle on their dirt bike, listening to it, and then it plays over the end credits. If there was anyone more important to me than Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1991 in popular culture, it was more than likely Axl Rose. <laughs> and so I, it just brings me all back. I got the Use Your Illusion albums for Christmas when they came out that year. Oddly enough, 1991 was also kind of the end 
for Guns N' Roses. We're not we're not a music podcast. We only get it, but ninety one yeah. was also the year Nirvana's Nevermind was released, and that kind of and I got that tape immediately as well. But um, but yeah, it was kind of changing of the guard. Kurt Cobain and Axl Rose were not fond of one another in the slightest. But this is more about Guns N' Roses. Patrick, did you watch the You Can Be Mine music video? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, so it, it ties into Terminator 2 as well. We recommend you all drop everything and check it out. Oh, it so does good. not have the um, kind of long-term love that November Rain or Strange or Don't Cry do, but yeah. You Could Be Mine is a lot of fun as well. Uh, in essence, it's a concert video, but there's someone at this concert that has a distinct interest in Guns N' Roses. Oh, man. And let's just say this... uh, he likes to pick up a baby sometimes. Yeah. That's Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. He's, he's hunting Guns N' Roses. Yeah. It's, oh. it's, it's not his character from Raw Deal, you fool. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Commando. I, uh, I Back to that book I got <laughs> of the films. I had not seen Raw Deal before when I got that book. And I was just saw these photos and I'm like, where the tank top holding the gun is called Raw Deal. I'm like, Raw Deal. Boy, that sounds rough. That sounds like an interesting thing. I, I need to know what a raw deal is. <laughs> you know, <I> like, <laughs> that, that phrase has meaning. But I, I love the song, You Can Be Mine. I think that song still is a banger to this day. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's one of my favorite tunes on the Use Your Illusion albums. Yeah, it's kind of because it's kind of a little bit closer to the vibe of um, Appetite for Destruction. Again, not a music podcast, but if you want to hear me talk about Guns N' Roses, let us know, and I I could probably go for quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I would I would love to do like a music. Yeah, we'll do a Guns N' Roses music yeah. video compilation episode if you beg. If you beg, yeah, it'd be a, that would be a weird one. If you beg, but, uh, if you beg like a little doggy. Yeah. <laughs> I did find it weird as a kid though, because there was such a staunch difference between public enemy fans and guns and roses fans in my mind that he would be wearing a public enemy t-shirt while rocking out to guns and roses with this kid who was clearly some trashy kid who definitely loved guns and roses <laughs> <laughs> we should shout out though um quick shout out to john connor's step parents or uh, foster parents played by Jeanette goldstein from aliens oh, and yeah. near dark and the great Xander Berkeley, who's always a treat in oh, every man. film. I love big, big Xander Berkeley fan. Xander Berkeley is such a, I love him because uh, I feel like he's like uh, the, he just has big Ben Mendelsohn energy in this movie. Like, you know, if like this movie, oh, was, yeah. made, this movie was made in like 2017, like you bet your ass. He's he's like Ben Mendelssohn's character from The Dark Knight Rises, which is one of my favorite Ben Mendelssohn parts. The the trashy guy who's trying to take over Wayne Enterprises who doesn't realize who he's dealing with with Bane. And like he's he's been flirting the entire time with his like number two dude. And then he does the story like, Can we get some girls in here? Like it was just, <laughs> he's so slimy and so funny in it yeah and then he gets his neck broken by bane deservedly yeah it was pretty good you picked the better kind of terrorist no that no that's a crossover with joker this town needs a better class of criminal yeah 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 yeah. uh regard uh yeah okay wow lost it there yeah but uh is good 
but Xander Berkeley's great. I love you love to see him more in things. I just saw him in The Dark and the Wicked, and he was really good in that. And wait, let's cast Xander Berkeley more. Oh yeah, he's great. 100%. Like, uh, is he out of? Uh, I feel like he's been on Walking Dead for a while. I wonder if he's that. I think he. Out. I think he finally died on Ooh, there. Good. There we go. Yeah, it happens. It happens to the best of them. Future Academy Award nominee Stephen Yoon, for instance. Um, yeah. So interestingly enough, the film premiered. July 1st, 1991, at uh, the Cineplex Odeon Century Plaza Cinema in Century City. VIP guests for the screening included Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Shriver, but guess who was there? Nicolas Cage was at the uh, world premiere of Terminator 2. What a time to be seeing Terminator 2 for the first time and perhaps sitting next to Nicolas Cage seeing it for the first time as well. I can only imagine the fun. Terminator 2 opened July 4th weekend on time, as expected, and was a absolutely massive success. It made $520 million worldwide. It was the uh, highest grossing R-rated film of all time until the second Matrix movie came out. It was one of the, at, at for a moment... It was the number three money-making movie of all time. Wow. Behind the original Star Wars and E.T. It, it really can't be underestimated just how big of a movie this was. It got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes as well. T2 features thrilling action sequences and eye-popping visual effects. But what takes the sci-fi action landmark to the next level is the depth of the human and cyborg characters. It received a rare A plus grade cinema score. This is the only, this is the funniest one. Leonard Malton gave it two and a half stars in his guide and said, like so many sequels, it lacks the freshness of the first film and gives us no one to root for, which I say to that Leonard, that's incorrect. <laughs> I'm completely and utterly incorrect. You're in for Terminator. You're in for John Connor. You're in for Sarah Connor. It's very easy. I just yeah. did for like the hundredth time in my life. <laughs> like, They're the goodies. It's yeah. It's not. They want to save the world from the like. From they want to save the world from just becoming like a, a skull lotion. Yeah. I will yeah. say. Oh, Do man. you want your skull stepped on by a robot? I That's, think not. Yeah. Uh, I will say it's so funny. Like that. Uh, and it's just aesthetically, it's so wonderful. Like you have to have all the skulls. But yeah. it's hilarious. Like it is just like it's Mortal Kombat rules where like how are there just like a thousand skulls and no other bones? Like Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that's like true. Great, it's true. Because it, it looks good. It's a it movie looks, thing. It's like yeah. how no one ever pays for a cab. Oh, that is true. Yeah. So I said remember the futurist too, very funny story about the skulls that they requested three. They knew that James Cameron being James Cameron that they made him like 38. He destroyed all of them. They were very concerned as he got to the last one. Then he watched the dailies and he's like, I think we got it on take five. <laughs> the the uh, movie was nominated for six Academy Awards. And I distinctly remember the 1992 64th Academy Awards rooting as hard as I could for Terminator 2 to win every damn one of these and wondering why it wasn't nominated for Best Picture and Arnold Schwarzenegger not given some level of like a Lifetime Achievement Award. 
it was nominated for cinematography, makeup, sound, sound effects editing, visual effects, and film editing. It won four out of those six. It won makeup, sound, sound effects, editing, and visual effects. Mm. I don't know who won editing that year, but yeah, I was gonna say yeah. editing. It's it's a pretty well edited film. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I mean, all of his films are just. I I love the pacing on all of his films. They they are they are both like utterly dense and also kind of breezy. Yeah, it is like in the amount of story he uh, squishes into a film and the fact that so many of his films uh, usually have like a 45 minute prologue sequence it feels like Mm -hmm. Uh, and in spite of this they are breezy and they feel nothing feels forced or uh, excessive Uh, at least in excessive in ways that aren't like the ways you want them to be excessive Mm -hmm. because it's excessive in good ways uh, but the amount of story and lore because I think he just like is so um, he's just so committed to like crafting lore and like really like creating a universe and uh, fleshing things out and making sure that like the logic of the world makes sense yeah and uh, that really vibes uh, on uh, I think that vibes like even on like a guttural level on like a uh in a, in, a, in a way that like um, you'll watch the movie and it's breezy and it's breezy because like all the hard work he's put into it. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't want, he, he, he's done so much work and he's done, he's got everything laid out for you to make it for the audience. Not that complicated really. I think, I mean, I, you will talk a little bit about it when we get to avatar, because I think that's kind of like, it's such a stunning bit of world building that even though it's a little complicated at times <laughs> i think uh the terminator world is far less complicated and makes is a little bit easier to wrap your head around but so i want to you know i think a couple more things like uh, another major movie around this time period was the following years wayne's world and uh robert patrick shows up as t1000 in wayne's world that i always got a kick out of when i was a kid <laughs> playing you know looking for john connor and freaking out wayne and garth but uh patrick i mean i guess i want to know like since we're at the end here i think everybody kind of has a pretty good idea i've seen this movie many times i don't think i've been too coy about thinking this movie's pretty ma- pretty much a masterpiece what did you think overall this was this was new to you uh man it's so interesting seeing this movie now i really like it i do think that uh it's so funny because I'll be real. Like the first like thirty minutes, I remember texting you too. I was like the first thirty minutes. I think I wasn't like entirely. It was good, but I wasn't entirely sold on the film. Like uh, aging well, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Because it just seemed very meta in the beginning. It seemed it's very jokey in the beginning. It's surprisingly jokey in the mm-hmm. beginning, which isn't a bad thing. I do like I do like my goofs and spoofs, but. Uh, I was kind of nervous that like, oh, is this going to be the tone of the movie? I mean, it's not bad, but it's not like, you know, I want some action. I hope everything's, <laughs> but shit, like it is it just like once you, um, once you pump the brakes, it doesn't let go. And then 
the scene where the dream sequence good god yes it's terrifying from, it's from a different movie it's so <laughs> insane like that is like because like i feel like up to that point like you know it's an r-rated movie and you probably shouldn't let your kids see it but it does feel like a movie for like teens and like you know younger kids kind of or it's like it's like the ultimate fantasy like the terminator is my best friend i get to teach him how mm-hmm. to say dickwad like yeah. What, a, what a dream like this is the life yeah you're live. you're best friends with arnold schwarzenegger yeah that's essentially what the movie's selling you on originally but then like by the time you get to like the linda hamilton escape sequence everything is so dour oh my god also by the way like the most unnerving scene in the film isn't the the escape when, he, when the guy licks her face right Jesus yeah. Christ, that was oh. gross. What a yeah. bad scene. I, I, I forgot. I had, that was out of mind, out of sight. And then, like, when he was strapping her down, I was sitting on my couch here and I was like, I think something, like, pretty gross happens here. I don't remember. And then he starts leaning over. I'm like, no, I remember exactly what happens here. It is ter- terribly gross. <laughs> yeah, that is, like, a, and it's good that, like, and of course it's a Cameron film, so he does get his, like, comeuppance. Yeah, he's got to get beat up. I mean, it reminds yeah. you like of uh, Kill Bill, same uh, oh, same deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kill Bill, of course, take it a little more extreme, but uh, yeah. Um, and also a nice little cameo from the the two twins and Gremlins too, the new batch. Mm. Oh man, <laughs> those guys! That, that guy said that's the Stanton brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope those guys are on cameo. I want to. <laughs> I want to get a. We'll cameo check it out. The, we'll check wanna, it out. I want to get a cameo of them dancing. But just, like, uh, just no, 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 no dialogue. You don't have to say anything. Maybe just that's dance. My, yeah, maybe that's my. Uh, if they are a cameo, that will be my. Uh, when your child is born, that will be my. Oh, uh, you'll send us as a gift. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I'll give you the Stanton brothers saying, "Hey, <laughs> welcome to the new world, Hadley." <laughs> <laughs> From your favorite uh, supporting bit players and Gremlins to the new batch. Mm, of many, of many. But yeah, so you so you uh, you thought it turned into a banger. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, and it's just a and it's a banger with a performance I did not realize. Like Linda Hamilton's performance is uh, just like multifaceted in a way I didn't think it could be. I didn't expect, and I didn't expect Arnold to be so like all of them, even Robert Patrick. Like because Robert Patrick, that's like a thankless role in some respects because it's just kind of like sitting around. He's he's, he's not allowed to be that broad. Yeah, but like the little moments he gets, like the no, the finger wag at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, scary, man. scary. So, so scary, but so good. And then just uh, top of the line bad guy. Yeah. Oh, and then like uh, a shout out to Joe Morton. Oh yeah, and yeah, Miles Dyson. My- I was bummed when he got shot. Oh, same I here. remember being bummed before, but I was, I thought it, but now I was like, thinking like, guys, family, like, which was not a 1991 Don thought, but it was certainly is a 2021, like, oh no, he's got a wife and a kid. No, he was gonna go to that secret town in Eureka. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it. I was like, I wasn't nervous. Yeah, but there was. I was like, "What's what's gonna happen if Patrick like doesn't <laughs> like Terminator 2? Uh, no worries. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, like, again, we're not the kind of show that's gonna start yelling at each other over that kind of thing. But I mean, like, this is a fun movie. Yeah, like, it would a- be a rift in our. It would be like the. This would be like the beginning of our marriage story. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it would be like uh, what I love about Patrick, and then it would get to at the end of it, we'd be watching Terminator 2, and it'd be like, nope. 
it, it just isn't working out anymore. And I got to move across the country. One of us is going to have to hit a dang wall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, like, it'd be funny if that entire argument was about Scarlett Johansson not liking Terminator 2. <laughs> he, like, slams his fist against the wall. Dudes rock! <laughs> and it's Linda Hamilton showing it! Yeah, come on. It's, it's like, it's a pretty open for an action movie. <laughs> I, I'm glad you liked it. I would not have been, like, it would have been perfectly reasonable, though. I mean, I'm glad that it, there is, like... And we'll get into nostalgia, actually, momentarily, because the next movie I actually have even more nostalgia for. But I... I This was so much fun to revisit this. I'm so happy I got this new Blu-ray of it. I can't wait to watch it again. I'm envious that you watched it twice, Yeah. even. I watched it, yeah, I watched it uh, once, uh, and I watched it with the family this time, too, and it was a very, not like my family, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a dang old bachelor, I'm like Don here, uh, but, uh, but I watched it with, like, uh, my folks, and uh, it was fun watching it with them, and they were clearly enjoying it, and they were also, I watched the next movie with our, my folks, too, and they loved, oh, man. Oh, my, uh, my mother and father love this movie, too. This is like like, a, definitely like a, a parents movie. I think this one's for the parents. Uh, yeah, well, I guess it's your mom and dad kicking a little bit of ass. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It 100% is. <laughs> so, ter- like we said, Terminator 2 was uh, absolutely like all-encompassing cultural phenomenon level success. Everyone walked away just in great spirits. Cameron, interestingly enough, did you read about his like attempt at like a real like arty drama movie in the futurist? Oh yes, I let me see here. Daniel Key's novel. So that's the person who wrote Flowers for Algernon. Okay, so it's called the subject. it's called the Crowded Room. Ooh. Was this script he was working on? The uh, log line. I don't. I don't even feel like really. It. It yeah. basically sounds like it was trying to like bring empathy to a sexual assaulter there are so many ways that cameron could have gone wrong yeah and and i feel like this is one of those bear traps that cameron like he lightly put the you know the the heel of his his foot on and then he just did the last second Mm -hmm. it's a different different but different obviously a much different story but i get distinct vibes that the russo brothers are doing this right now with this movie cherry that they're putting out here this you know it's a smaller scale for them human drama based on a book yeah, yeah, yeah. and to, you know trying to like in essence like prove like i'm not um i'm not blockbuster blockbuster all the time well, it's, like uh, when, it's like when kevin bacon started in like the woodsman <laughs> which is like yeah which was like his attempt of like getting an oscar yeah it, it's it's just trying to show it's like oh uh, you know i'm more than yeah i know i mean i know like steven spielberg even struggled throughout the 80s up until basically doing schindler's list and pulling it off what really reason does steven spielberg of all people have to make the color purple yeah that's kind of odd it you know it's a fine movie too don't get me wrong i've never seen but like uh, but a color purple or even empire of the sun yeah doing um well, now he's like trapped in that world. Like that's well, that's his only like, uh, with the exception not, of I guess Ready Player One. Not to not to digress too far, but there was some really 
I saw it just just before we jumped on together. Some fascinating news that apparently Ooh, I know this one. Yeah, Spielberg is um preparing a autobiographical small scale drama about his young life with Michelle Williams playing his mother, and it sounds like an old man last movie mm-hmm. kind of thing, and I'm absolutely fascinated with how this could go and like how it's being prepared because i've always like that was always kind of my pitch what i wanted to see for quentin tarantino's 10th and final movie was for him to do a two-hour movie about him growing up in los angeles being a movie freak with a single mom oh man like and like tying it all back together in a big narrative throughout his about basically his life in movies but i think like yeah, it could go a couple directions with the Spielberg one, but I do find it very curious, and it seems like as he heads into his late 70s, a very, like, a clear choice as to why. Like, I always love with, like, rock artists, like the, the classic rock guys, they're kind of like old man album. Mm. Like, like Dylan's, Dylan's Time Out of Mind is, like, a prime one. I think the... Um, the new Bruce Springsteen that came out last year, Letter to You, kind of is his version of it. They they all kind of have done it. Yeah, like when Johnny Cash released those. Yeah, they cashed the American recordings, especially the la- the latter two mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, it, it, they all kind of like their mortality record, basically. Yeah. And, you know. It's, I like that stuff. I do love like a director's equivalent to a mortality record. Well, they they exist, and I think like I think Scorsese is kind of tying it up with um, Silence and Irishman. Oh, big time! Is is in that vein as well? It's not as explicit because it's not pure autobiography, but I think it's certainly taking a look at both the religious films and the gangster films, which are kind of his um, you know trademark stuff, and doing kind of end of the road versions of them well it's interesting too because it is like i feel like yeah especially the irishman just feels like a critique of his like it's like his generation like this is like the life cycle of people that went into this trade uh in my youth like this is and this is where they ended up it's such a mm-hmm. and it's so scathing it's like gosh oh, oh, i man. just thought about those like at first, they're funny, those little cards that say what happened to them. They're little character title cards that pop up, shot twice in the head in his car. And you're just like, no, this is depressing by the end of this movie. Like, oh, yeah. you're either shot in the back of the head in your car, or you end up in an old folks' home. Yeah, or jail. Yeah, yeah, or jail, or die in jail. Yeah. Uh, but we should hold our Irishman thoughts. We don't want to tease it too much, but might be talking about the Irishman at some point in the near future on this show. So, but basically, we could get back to James Cameron, who's nowhere near making an old man movie at this point no. in his life. It's 1991. <laughs> Guess what? He's divorced again. Him and Catherine Bigelow are already divorced. <laughs> Amazingly enough, the week after Terminator 2 is released, July 10th, 1991, Point Break, which he produced and co-wrote with Bigelow, is released as well. What a two-week period for 90s action film lovers. My goodness. Like, two of my absolute favorite movies. Um, But they apparently are... uh, He's on good terms with most 
if not, I believe almost all of his exes, uh, to the point where you might remember a uh, big Oscar showdown, big Oscar narrative, the year uh, Hurt Locker and Avatar went head to head, and uh, they are both in the director category. We will talk next week on if we agree with those results. We don't need to talk about it today, but I think we could. T- but I think we have thoughts. Um, so Cameron's at the peak of his game. He signs a massive multi-million dollar production deal with 20th Century Fox. He wants to be in the Cameron business. He and Stan Winston start Digital Domain, a visual effects company that was soon the number two visual effects company in the biz because uh, he wanted to take it all in-house. He, like we said, was look, was taking a look at some like grounded dramas and trying to put together that i think the there were inklings of the scripts for strange days and spider-man which we'll talk about both those next week Mm. um strange days of course went on to be directed by Catherine bigelow which shows that they were still buddies Mm -hmm. but uh but cameron knew like he's he's a savvy enough guy that's like if he's going to make a small scale drama and really prove himself in that world. It's got to be the right thing. You know, he's taking his time on it. And in the meantime, Arnold Schwarzenegger is hanging out in his house, probably smoking cigars and just living life yep. to his absolute fullest, having the best time. And he is handed a video cassette of a French comedy film called La Totale. Oh. And he takes a look at it and he is inspired and he sends it over to Cameron. Who's like, he's like, I think that this could be something we could do together. Mm-hmm. He Cameron gets a copy of it, agrees. And it's kind of off to the races because Arnold has got a, uh, Arnold's very busy and Arnold is coming off of last action hero, which was, if you to go back to yeah, young Don, if Terminator 2 lived up to everything and more, Last Action Hero was one of the first disappointments of life. And I am not alone among the 80s kids who saw that as the first time Arnold kind of let us down. Wow. A little bit. I'd love to see it again. I've not seen it in it a long, had, long like, time. I feel like it's had a critical... Uh... I think it has too. Yeah. It's probably, it's probably better than I remember, mm-hmm. but I just remember like, man, this isn't Terminator, this isn't Predator. Like there was, this isn't even twins. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a, I saw it maybe like three or four years ago and it's, yeah, it's fun. There's a great like Tom Noonan is fun in that movie. So is Charles Dance. A lot of cast. Charles Dance of uh, Alien 3 and Mank. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with this, but those I his, have his watched movie. both those recently. So. Do you think those are like the two uh, movies whenever they put Charles Dance in the marquee uh, of something or like, you know, they're introducing all the actors like, you know, Alien 3 and Minx, Charles Dance. Yeah, yeah. Charles yeah. Mank Dance. Yeah, Charles um, the Mank. So Arnold's uh, agents, though, were really hungry to kind of get him back in the game and not kind of get the the floppy stench yeah off of last action here off of them so they were looking at a lot of lot of lot of projects but they kind of wanted a sure thing and kind of going back to cameron would be that way and Mm -hmm. cameron saw this as a challenge as well because this is certainly this idea 
is certainly more of a comedy than Cameron has ever had ever dealt with. And, you know, everything he does, he's kind of looking for some sort of way to top himself or challenge himself with each project. So in a sense, like he's doing a romantic subplot and a comedy subplot in this film that uh, he saw his opportunity. So he kind of jumped at it and he knew uh, the other exciting thing was that this would be a good proving ground for his digital effects company, Digital Domain, to try some stuff out and kind of show what they were made of. So uh, they dove into it. They came up with the title very quick, which is, of course, True Lies, which is a good title. If you ask me, kind of got a got a good zing to it. The two key roles to cast beyond Arnold were Arnold's wife. She believes if you don't know the plot of True Lies, basically it's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like the greatest action hero spy in the world to everyone who knows him, but his wife, who thinks he's a boring ass salesman, and hijinks ensue when those two lives begin to collide now i mean i guess we can get into casting in a moment but we might as well uh, address the elephant in the room is how on earth helen would believe for a second that this <laughs> giant muscle-bound austrian was a boring salesman <laughs> like you like harry you work out a lot for not really needing to in the yeah. slightest like you really like take care of yourself and you seem strong and you come home beat up a lot like i would imagine a lot of wounds a lot of separating wounds at the very room. least like you have like a lot of dress shirts that have like conspicuous like knife slashing areas <laughs> why are you packing so many tuxedos yeah because like i mean like the, the opening act the second action sequence of the movie which i think is my second favorite action sequence of the movie which is when they first kind of the bathroom fight into the horse motorcycle chase oh my god sequence. Also, this arnold schwarzenegger's character hates animals yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is like uh it's in it's oh man when the when the, um in the very very beginning when you're introduced to his character what a great introduction oh yeah like uh, oh top of the line opening sequence though, oh too. when he goes to that table and he's like not enough garlic this is food for dogs yeah, yeah it's uh, so good and but, later and later those very dogs he's talking about will be bonked together yeah, in the air. Not, not not killed but bonked no they're not killed no animals are injured but yeah. they're bonked and it's it's a it's i've never seen that in a movie where the dogs <laughs> come to attack and arnold just does a coconut clunk there is a difference too. Uh, in Terminator Two, one key thing we didn't bring up is that he doesn't kill anyone in Terminator Two. Yeah, like he just wounds them, but he more than makes up for it in a far more real life grounded situation in True Lies. He yeah. kills everybody in this one. Don't, but don't, um, don't worry though, uh, under sodium pentothal, he does tell us it's only the bad. Guys. It was. It was very bad. It was a very funny joke. <laughs> but he. Um, I get the feeling, though, that this second sequence where he's racing around on the horse and stuff is rather, like, common mm -hmm. occurrence in the life of Harry Tasker. And yes. so he's coming home to Helen all the time looking frazzled from yeah. bizarre chases across town <laughs> like that, are making, that are making the news, but he's never identified or photographed, <laughs> ever. Funny. 
despite me destroying everything in sight, shooting people, getting into massive fights. It, but you know what? That's kind of the one of the glorious things about True Lies is kind of the take off your brain elements to the film. Like yeah. you'd start taking a little deep on for all of like the glorious machine like logic of Terminator Two. <laughs> this is just unhinged. This film. Oh yeah. It might be because it's based on a French comedy, <laughs> which you know that opens it up. So basically, we'll get into kind of our favorite parts in a moment here. But um, the key parts to cast were Helen, Harry's wife, unknowing wife, and Gib, Harry's very funny partner. And then they'll, they'll fill out some others. But those are kind of the key two supporting yeah, players in the three. film. And uh, both were interesting. They wanted to find someone. We'll start with Gib. They want to find someone who is who could really do this comic relief, who could improvise. Cameron was still a little nervous about his comedy chops. He actually hired a full-scale room of comedy writers, and he hated all of their jokes and stuck with his own, which is very Cameron. Uh, but he ended up... Cameron is a very smart, well-read, kind of hip guy, but apparently has no concept of Hollywood goss. Or anything like that. So he did not know in the early 90s kind of the infamy that surrounded Tom Arnold. Uh, Tom Arnold is a semi-successful comedian who married a very, very successful comedian in Roseanne. Mm -hmm. Got a writing gig on her show and seemed basically like her drunk, near-to-well husband. Talentless husband. It was kind of a punchline. So not everyone was a little like you even want to look at this guy? And Cameron did not know. He just brought him in. And uh, he did a reading with Arnold Schwarzenegger that went very well. They got along perfectly. But I guess the big moment was Arnold ended up leaving the room. Tom Arnold turned to Cameron and immediately said, he's not so big. I think I could take him. And that endeared him on the spot to Cameron. He loved the... And, and if you think about that joke, that is Gib in a nutshell, oh, like how he behaves. And I got to say, I, I mean, this is clearly the peak. This, Tom Arnold ended up being casted much to the studios kind of questioning and chagrin. And even Roseanne being a little perplexed by the entire <laughs> opera, how Tom Arnold got the third lead of a major Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jim Cameron movie. Uh, I love some of the jokes have not aged well, but overall, I love Tom Arnold in the movie. I think he's so funny, and I think he's so perfect with I Arnold. I love his energy in the movie. He has yeah. Very, like, he's so, like, he's very Midwestern in a way that I appreciate. And, like, isn't he, like, he's from Iowa, and didn't he, like, work at a slaughterhouse? Wasn't that, like, his first? He's had an amazing, like, the fact that he's gotten as far as he got is just amazing. Like, oh, yeah. he's, he's a fascinating guy. Obviously, it's had a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. But this is this is such a high point for him. He's got so many funny lines. I mean, like, <laughs> I I love the '90s humor. I'm gonna get a little blue here in quoting Tom Arnold, but when he says she steals twenty dollars to pay for her abortion, it is so blue and so shocking that he says that because that joke would never be considered oh, today. Yeah. And I just like laugh. And then like 
what does she know? Her parents are Madonna and Axl Rose. Like, just like <laughs> they're his reactionary <laughs> stuff. And like, just like his commentary on everything. I, he's, yeah, some of the jokes, you know, very like boomer dad stuff that does not fly. Yeah today but i i still give him like a 70 70 percent yeah I'd say 75 percent like batting I'd, average on his jokes in this I'd, I'd say pretty like, good pretty good between two out of three and three out of four of his jokes land and yeah it's like a miracle <laughs> so yeah it really is for <laughs> for how weird some of the politics are in this movie we will get to those momentarily yeah uh <laughs> the fact that these jokes work Good, good on you. Good, great casting. Vis- yeah. You know, frankly, another casting coup for Cameron. Um, and as he was writing the script, he actually only had for Helen Jamie Lee Curtis in mind. It was Perfect. something he uh, he was just convinced of. Uh, he got a chance to see Fish Called Wanda, and he just was like, "Oh, she can do it all. She's funny. She can do physical stuff. She's sexy. You know, kind of has." everything mm-hmm. that he wanted out of the character because she's got to go from being nerd to babe in a, in a in a way or housewife to action hero yeah a lot, well, lot going on with the with her changes wasn't uh jamie lee curtis not um arnold was not on board for- arnold was not on board he did not see it who knows yeah we, we're not gonna try and mind read why Arnold Schwarzenegger was kind of adamant Maybe a against it. I can see a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Like, I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis is like one of those actors that could steal a little bit of his thunder. Yeah, she wasn't going to put up with him. I think he, who knows how he was feeling if he was, it's hard to call Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger ever insecure, but if the uh, last action hero flop was a hit on his ego. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, though, he uh, by all accounts from day one was was a total pro with her and yeah uh, and firmly by day one also believed she was the right call to the point where she got to share the top of the poster with him above the top above the title uh starring you know credit which it arnold does not share that yeah i mean arnold like that is like the ultimate dream as a star to only have your last name up there like it just says Schwarzenegger, like it does on the Terminator Two poster. Oh, you're man. like, you're, that's badass. You know exactly what you're getting into. At that point, like, yeah, when you be when you as a human being become a brand like Coca Cola. Yeah. Like insane. Yeah, and he was at this point. I mean, he was such a big deal. Yeah. No, I mean, he, the guy he, got. I mean, guy got elected governor of California. I mean, like, oh yeah. If 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 the law wasn't there and i i still to this day think he tried to talk george hw bush into changing it uh, he would have been president of the united states he absolutely would have if oh, totally. it was legal for him to and it's always funny because you, you always hear rumblings about like uh like the rock is considering a presidential run mm-hmm. or like uh, mcconaughey uh considering a run in texas uh for governor uh, you know, way back when Charles Barkley considering a run for yeah. in Alabama, that would have been sick. Uh, but <laughs> Charles apparently in the uh, '70s, Warren Beatty in California was oh. really considering it too, which would have been interesting. Hopefully, some Bullworth raps. 
Yeah. When it ended up in there. Uh, imagine uh, uh, time travel. It's like the Terminator, but it's Bullworth going back in time to young Bullworth to teach him how to rap. Yo, yeah, it'd be like Eight Mile. It's just like Eight Mile. <laughs> it's like Back to the Future, where like Michael J. Fox invents rock and roll. Yeah. It's Bullworth invents rap. Yeah. Yeah, young young Bullworth holds up the phone. And he's like, "Chuck D, you gotta hear this." <laughs> oh, I believe I have found something. Oh, that would be tr- that would be problematic, as they say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Arnold, Arnold, uh, where were I? Oh boy, we were just Sorry. talking to Arnold, and we got a little lost. But yeah, yeah. so because above the title, like he got they only apparently the only uh issue they had with Arnold which is kind of funny what it was he had a tendency to kind of like let his mind wander and like jump in his Hummer with whoever was around and go out for lunch and they'd be like uh Arnold we got to shoot and this is a very very expensive film and he was nowhere to be found but apologetic uh Cameron filled out the cast uh Art Malik plays Salim Abu Aziz the main villain character Uh, Tia Carrer from the aforementioned Wayne's World plays the female villain Juno Skinner. Great name. Mm-hmm. God, great character name. Uh, Grant Hesloff plays Faisal, the third member of Arnold and Arnold's uh, team. Grant Hesloff uh, went on to be George Clooney's producing partner and win, win Best Picture for uh, Argo, yeah. among other things. He, he, he and the Clune Dog are business partners. Yeah, uh, a, they are such a like uh, for me. They're like almost like a po- like a positive spin on the Big Lebowski, like that trio. Like, yeah, yeah. Schwarzenegger is the dude. You know, Tom Arnold is John Goodman, obviously. It's, yeah, and uh, Faisal is uh, Donnie. Definitely a Donnie. Yeah, definitely. And they're great though. I I, I always like love love that part where uh, okay, so Charlton Heston is the leader of their weird <laughs> CIA organization with an eye patch. The only thing we, the only thing I wanted was more. I wish he had shown up in Florida at the end to like give him the Harry, you can't keep doing this kind of thing. I wish he like came in on one of the Harrier jets. Yeah. Well, yeah, flies in on a helicopter. He's flying it himself with one eye. Um, <laughs> but I, I love some of the lines like when they get with him. I, Crimson Jihad. What does that mean? Why do they call themselves that? Probably because it sounds scary. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, so basically they end up it's this combination of this completely like farcical, very French styled marriage comedy meets the ultimate pre-9-11 action movie. You know, this movie, it's just, we were watching it Jed was like, they were kind of like on to something with kind of like what the terrorist characters are saying. Like it kind of rings true to the point that they were trying actively to make True Lies 2 and then 9-11 happened and that was that was that for the, for, for for that series. But it's it's it, it it the balance is very funny. And I think we we need to do mention though a man who I, I believe I texted Patrick and said should have been nominated for best supporting actor. Yes. Uh, and that would be Bill Paxton, our our favorite and yours. As Simon, the fake special agent used car salesman, who has some of the greatest lines in any movie of the 90s, some of the funniest moments, 
he plays everything to like the highest level. He's the sleaziest guy, one of the sleaziest people ever in movies. That's only met by being one of the most spineless people ever. <laughs> like there, if if Arnold Schwarzenegger is all ego, Bill Paxton is up for being humiliated in every way, shape, and form. It literally wouldn't be until like Brett Gelman did it ironically on stage somewhere where someone debased themselves like so much for a film. I don't, I mean, like, some of it's like ass like a 10 year old boy. Like, it's like buttermilk. And then, of course, I got a little dick. It's pathetic. Which is probably the. (laughs) Oh, with the cherry on top being uh, him peeing his pants. Yeah. It is so funny and it makes the entire insanity of the digression in those in those scenes away from like the actual terrorist threat that we want to get to work yeah completely it's so funny it he he's just perfect and all and him and arnold play off of each other so well oh man and yeah it's he's 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 the king he's the absolute king jen tweeted today that she had a dream that canon was still making movies but charles bronson died because he was old and they needed someone to replace charles bronson and busting heads and all of those b action movies of the 80s mm-hmm. and 60 year old bill paxton got his shot as being the action hero he always needed to be in those kind of movies and, you know like a liam neeson like move at 60 to start busting heads uh here's my question uh if there was a Bill Paxton bracket, like this is the winner of the oh. Bill Paxton bracket, right? <sighs> this or Near Dark. I don't know if you've seen Near Dark. I have not seen. Uh, Dark. He's in, he is awesome. He's the um, cocky, mouthy vampire of uh, the group. Oh, oh, he's he's got great lines in that. He's he's super scary though. He's like a bad guy, too. Mm-hmm. He's he's really good. He's just such a like. He just puts a smile on your face. Like, no matter what kind of part he's playing, when he shows up, you know you're, you know, he, like we've talked about it, you know you're in safe hands. You know oh, it's yeah. going to be entertaining. You know he's going to be fun. Like, or he's going to be weird, or he's going to be scary. Yeah. I, I remember even, like, you know, he when he showed up in Nightcrawler late in his career mm-hmm. as the guy, kind of guy who inspires Jake Gyllenhaal's madness. It was just so nice to see him. Yeah, well, and he has, like, what I like about him is he's, like, wild. He's just such a wild man, but he has, like, his wildness has such great range. Yeah. Like, he can play, like, a scared, you know, scared. He can play a bully. Well, he's uh, not like uh, Nicolas Cage. He feels under control. Yeah. Even when he's going big. Oh, 100%. Yeah, that is such a good point. Yeah, he, uh, everything feels, it feels methodical, but not in a way that's, like, overly uh it's not like he's like a robot or something yeah yeah but it feels um that's it, yeah he feels safe in his hands mm-hmm. so the plot basically goes that Arnold schwarzenegger and tom arnold and grant heslock are like on this mission to stop international terrorism but Arnold schwarzenegger's this boring husband but then he finds out that his wife helen is looking for a little adventure and she's in this like flirtation with this guy simon who's claiming to be a secret agent but we know it's Bill Paxton. He's a shitty, sleazy used car salesman. So the movie digresses into this whole thing where Harry uses seemingly unlimited 
funds and resources from his CIA-like organization to find out if he's being cucked or not. God. It is wild. It, it is, is absolutely like, wild. It is like <laughs> I think I texted Don at one point, like, are they just like using like millions of dollars of taxpayer money to determine whether or not Arnold Schwarzenegger is a cuck? Yeah, basically. Like and it's 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 we're not gonna explain all we recommend you watch the movie. But oh, yeah. it's pre- it's elaborate what they do to kind of figure this out. And so basically, they they bust Simon. They Simon pisses his pants. It's very funny. And then Harry oddly decides he's gonna give Helen a kind of kind of the excitement that she's been longing. He feels like that's something he owes her as a husband. Again, he goes about it in a odd manner. Very Basi- weird. Basically, he sets her up to. Uh, Pose. She needs to get some microfilm or something like that. Doesn't really matter. From this international, supposedly international Paris guy, and she has to play a prostitute, a sexy prostitute, to do it. Uh, she meets up in a hotel room, and it's Arnold Schwarzenegger in the dark, and he tells her to strip and dance. So when I was a kid, and I watched this film at a drive-in with my parents, that was my first screening of it, this was uncomfortable, to say the least. <laughs> I don't know if it was uncomfortable when you watched this with your family the other night. Uh, and I got really, like, icky vibes from this entire scene when I was a kid. And I've had icky vibes about it. I've seen this movie many, many times. Yeah. And each time out, I'm like, this is gross, Right. It's 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 weird. It's definitely and, like yeah. And so I was reading up on it, and apparently, like all the critics, top to bottom, were like, "Yeah, that's gross." <laughs> but Jamie Lee Curtis, James Cameron, and Arnold Schwarzenegger all said they felt it was very empowering, and it was a big moment for the character of her growth. I don't know. I'm I'm probably not the person to make the judgment call on this. I just thought it was very uncomfortable, even this most recent screen. I mean, I think like, yeah, you know, and I think there are some like pratfalls in it and some goofs. And I think that's like trying to make it a little lighter than it is. But the weird Uh, vibes of a husband under disguise telling his wife to strip and dance for him. Insane. (laughs) It's it's not good. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. It's just yeah. Also, like it, okay. Also, like the thing I almost like that part's obviously the worst part. But the other part I have like uh, almost as much. Uh, like, come on, like even if it's in the dark, like he's not wearing a mask. He's not. You, if, <laughs> Again, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's hard to disguise. <laughs> yeah, it's not like no. it's not. It's not like it's Bill Paxton sitting there or Michael. Yeah, Bean. Like, he's not. Arnold is like. <laughs> You cast him be- precisely because he's not really an everyman, but he's playing, he's supposedly an everyman here. Yeah, um, his silhouette is wild. You would yeah. recognize his silhouette. <laughs> so they, it gets busted up though because Aziz gets in there with his people, Juno Skinner's there, and Harry and Helen get captured mm-hmm. and Harry's worlds collide. Yeah. So, the movie, we'll, we'll get to the third act in just a moment here. So, the um, movie was uh, pretty much 
on time and on schedule, but it also uh, within a few years surpassed Terminator 2 as the most expensive movie ever made. It cost about $120 million. Um, just huge, huge scale to this movie for which is kind of a domestic comedy, but kind of a massively scaled, you know, insane movie. Which brings us to our third act. Yeah. Uh, basically, they, uh, Helen and Harry are drugged, and then they find themselves off on this island off of the Florida Keys, where they discover that they are the bad guys are in control of a nuclear bomb, and they are going to set it off, and the terrorists are, you know, in control. Harry, as Patrick alluded to, is given sodium pentothal to find out what he knows, but he's mostly interrogated by Helen, who he gets to be honest with and have a lot of funny jokes, including, have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. <laughs> and I fucking love the part where he like calmly explains how he's going to kill the, cre- the creepy doctor. Yeah. The creepy torture doctor. Ew. And then I was thinking about breaking your neck. I'm like, oh, really? How are you going to do that? Do you remember my coughs? I picked them. <laughs> also, like, if you're gonna, if he has sodium pentothal, like, it seems like you don't need to torture him. Don't need to torture him. And uh, I don't know the science about how quickly sodium pentothal wears off. Yeah. But it's pretty much only needed for that five minute scene. Yeah, it's like movie <laughs> magic. It's fun movie magic. They, but they it in. doesn't matter because yeah. the second Harry leaves that shack. Yeah. Folks, we got ourselves a fucking movie because the last half hour of this thing are pretty much the be all end all for the eighties action movie style. It I was talking to my brother actually on Zoom this weekend. He's like, it's the last one. It's the last great action movie of its sort, and it kind of like takes it all the way home. The so Arnold kills everybody in a variety of ways on this island whether it's machine guns hand-to-hand combat a lot of neck snapping to the point where he ends up with a freaking flamethrower and he's firing that all over the island blowing everyone up in sight he does an amazing slow motion dive into a pond as the entire place is blowing up behind him he swims underwater with fire above him it's just in 1994 I'm sitting there at 12 years old, and I'm like, boy, this is really cool, but can this movie do more? (laughs) Well, folks, they capture Jamie Lee Curtis again, and what follows is probably, I would say it's one of my top three favorite action sequences in movie history. The chase along the bridges through the Florida Keys. Ooh, yeah. Helicopters, fighter planes limos exploding bridges all leading up to maybe the last truly spectacular practical stunt in movies like it is so thrilling and so exciting and when the jets come in and start blowing up the bridge and cars are doing full flips flying off of the bridge while jamie lee curtis is in a limo in a fist fight with tia Carrera over whether they like wine or not it's just awesome and then the like the reveal so everything is blown up but we know that the bridge is out and arnold has to rescue jamie lee curtis from this out of control limo 
when she pops a limo and she's like looking around and she sees him hanging from the part on the helicopter. Oh man. And he's like coming in. It's all of them <laughs> like there, like hanging off the helicopters and stuff. And you're just like, this is so cool, so exciting. And and you want him to rescue her. And like the emotional stakes. Like we've gotten to love them so much. You want him to rescue her so badly. And it's they time it perfectly. She pulls out of the limo as it's flying off of the bridge. My brother claims Juno could have survived, by the way. He wanted Ooh. to he wanted me to bring that up. It's like, no, she could come back for more. Yeah, <laughs> I like okay, because she's a better villain than the main, or at least I like the more multi-dimensional villain, I think. Well she's 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 a she's she's thrilling it for yeah. a variety. She's beautiful. I mean, we gotta just lay that out there she's absolutely gorgeous but she's also like mean and scary she likes wine i don't know why that comes like that that comes up she she yeah she's got a great like outfit and like holds the gun well with it loves money yeah loves money so much that she's willing to full-scale nuclear attack likes to provide nuclear weapons to uh, global yeah. terrorists like where, where are you going to spend yeah your money on wine like you know, one of my th- one of my favorite like arnold schwarzenegger lines we used to do this with all these kids it was like how did you get yourself wrapped up with all these raving psychotics it's <laughs> <laughs> like boy arnold probably had to work a little bit to get that line oh, yeah. <laughs> ready ready to go oh. but uh I, oh, I love the um the snow cone maker and the espresso machine when he's trying to describe the uh, nuclear bomb. Oh yeah, that's pretty good too. I was gonna say I like a little shout out to the like a micro bit role. The guy who's like the limo driver with the beard. And, <laughs> Great look. That. Great oh, look. He, he just rules. I think that dude like won a contest. That's yeah, like, it definitely needs to get blasted in the head though to get that limo out of control. Oh yeah, unfortunately, took one for the team. But damn, I just love that, love that look, love his performance. He's just a dude who like, he just he won whatever the local radio contest is. You get to get your head blown up in the next James Cameron film, and yeah, you hope he's living his best life. Whoever that that extra is, hats off to you, sir. I love your but, beard. But so basically, they have to do this stunt where Jamie Lee Curtis is pulled out of the limo, and then they fly over the water with her hanging onto a stuntman's hand who's hanging off the bottom of this helicopter. Mm-hmm. And it's an incredible, absolutely wild stunt that I believe is pretty much mostly as practical as it gets. Um, and the story goes that <laughs> Jamie Lee wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, this is going to be like, we got to do this. And the helicopter could only hold a specific amount of people for her like close-up shot as she's hanging down from the thing and Cameron basically said they're like oh we give you a radio we'll let you know how it goes and Cameron said fuck that and he told the camera operator he was like take a long lunch and he grabbed the camera himself and he shot it he hung out the helicopter and shot it himself but this is this is leading to what makes this movie truly special is like what we just had was like a truly jaw-dropping one-of-a-kind action chase sequence mm-hmm. They get there, they get down, they, they, the nuclear bomb is going to blow up one of the Florida Keys, it seems like. Then Tom Arnold gets there. After the bomb blows up, they can't look at it. Just crazy they blew up a nuclear bomb. Yeah. So and then Tom, Tom Arnold gets there and he goes, we just heard. They got your daughter. 
in Miami. You're like, what? Arnold's daughter has been kidnapped. Dana? You know, and so, that is hat on the hat, sir. Oh, it is, but it works. That is the craziest part about all it. This next part has no right working at all, and it works completely. Arnold commandeers a Harrier jet <laughs> and flies it into downtown Miami, where at this point his daughter, who has proven herself to be the daughter of these two, has escaped. Ran to the top of the building. Faisal, Faisal gets a great moment where he shoots a bunch of terrorists down below, too. Very cool. But she climbs on this crane as she's being chased by the main terrorist. Arnold shows up at the jet. She sees him. And mind you, she does not know her dad is like the greatest spy in the history of the universe. So she's surprised to see him in the jet. We'll put it that way. Put it mildly. And it just gets wilder. They end up fighting. The terrorist jumps on the plane. They're fighting all over it. And it is just nuts. And of course, Cameron, uh, this sequence was the hardest one mm-hmm. to figure out. And they were talking over, you know, CG. They were going to do a little bit of it. They're definitely, you know, but they're like, how do we make it look real? How do we make it look right? And one of the coordinators is like, well, we could hang the plane off of the top of the building. And Cameron's like, let's do it. So they did it. They put a they put a plane up there. They 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 found a building that was under construction. So they used the crane that was there. They hung a jib arm off of it and they shot around and they they're like, You're gonna put Arnold up there? He's like, Yeah, I'll get him to do it. They put him up there. They had some obviously they had some some of the heavier stuff, some uh you know, stunt people. But for the most part, like that is why that this sequence is so thrilling is that it doesn't feel fake. It's a real it's a, jet. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's a real jet on a real crane with real people hanging off of it from the top of a dang skyscraper. Uh, but they end up knocking the terrorist onto a missile, which leads to what really needs to be kind of the coup de gras of this entire over-the-top last 40 minutes of this movie, which is uh, Arnold Zinger to end Arnold Zinger's. Arnold says, you're fired. He fires the missile that the terrorist is hanging off of through the building and conveniently hitting the terrorist group's helicopter on the other side, blowing everyone up. It rocks. It ru- Everything about it's great. My dad to this day the way he describes it he's like and then he steals a jet he's he just my dad is in his 60s and just as excited about it as anyone should be in their right mind because for all of the weird political stuff because the you know we should say at the terrorists are bits on the nose yeah it's like yeah art malik stereotypical uh, kind yeah. of plays the sexual politics of harry and helen's relationship is weird yeah, like, uh, yeah, there's a lot, yeah, uh, just, like, you're introduced to the terrorist by, like, him slapping a woman multiple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know he's the baddie. And he's, um, he's kind of straight, he's not that complicated, he's a straight and narrow yeah. bad guy, you know? And this movie ran into some trouble with, uh, with that. Some, uh, groups of folks from the Middle East and so forth did not feel it was all that sensitive of betrayal of 
what we found out in a few short years a highly complicated situation um which i think cameron to this day would be very honest about yeah i think honestly yeah i think if he were to recreate in looking back and i i know that uh like tom arnold and arnold schwarzenegger were a little more adamant about pursuing a sequel but uh cameron and jamie lee curtis were both like "Eh, i don't think that's going to happen yeah it's like Uh, if uh if like this was like the the danny hoke uh uh, his Danny Hoke Seinfeld story, like uh, mm. Cameron and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, were like, his, did you ever hear about like the, the, the you know Danny Hoke? He's like kind of like a stand-up. He's been in some stuff, but he, he was like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, he was get, get, up for a role in Seinfeld where he's playing a pool boy, but they wanted him to play it, play it as a stereotypical Puerto Rican oh. character, which he's not. <laughs> and uh basically there you know like all the four people were there apparently for this like uh tryout or this casting edition or whatever and uh uh selena and uh julia louise dreyfus and uh and costanza were like nah we shouldn't let him play it the way he wants but like jerry seinfeld and, like, and kramer yeah kramer was like hardcore like nah it has to be puerto rican yeah. dog. It has to be puerto rican dog <laughs> sorry it's... sorry i've ruined michael richards for you yeah you know what though i have a faith that he did nothing else he did nothing else nothing else nothing else weird at all no no very very strange stand-up sets at the hollywood improv nothing like that no 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 just a normal guy after that yeah yeah it all went well for kramer yeah a couple Um, couple of tv shows that didn't go so hot yeah yeah oh boy so this movie received a 71 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, if it doesn't reach the heights of director James Cameron's and star Arnold Schwarzenegger's previous collaborations, True Lies still packs enough action and humor into its sometimes absurd plot to entertain. I think that's um, I think that's a pretty well spoken way of putting it. Yes. Uh, this is by far kind of the flimsiest mm-hmm. of the Cameron films. Like of his outside of of course Piranha 2 uh the lofty themes and ideas and kind of um ambitious world building that you were talking about that we've seen terminator we've seen aliens we will see shortly in both titanic and avatar and the abyss of course too isn't there in this this is a pretty lightweight movie that isn't to say it isn't like i mean we spent you know 20 minutes just screaming how many scenes we liked in the last half hour of this movie mm-hmm. it that is not to say that it's not worth watching because i think i think it, it's a blast i this is probably the cameron movie i've seen the most at the end of the day it's one of those ones that whenever it was on tv back in those days when you're flipping channels you stop and watch it Again, like Patrick said, his parents enjoyed it. My parents loved this movie. I brought it up on Zoom call with them this weekend, and they were like, oh, I love that one. You know, they, yeah, we have a fond memory. I saw saw this film, as Alex said, at a drive-in, double featured with Speed. Wow. And uh, very, very memorable. I, 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 this goes to show how good Speed is, because I love, I love Speed more than I did true lies in this moment but i i love them both now i think that they're just terrific movies i i think it's a terrific movie i think it's um 
yeah it, it's not as it's not a perfect machine like pretty much the rest of his films are i think like uh this is like the one movie of his not that other movies of his have stuff that you know don't age perfectly but i think this is like the one movie where like uh the stuff that doesn't age well uh hinders the movie to a certain degree mm-hmm. which isn't the case with most of his other films no yeah i would say and uh the- i think that might be just the pitfalls of uh comedy yeah well, in the pitfalls of just like making a, I think so many of Cameron's works are kind of weirdly out of time, and uh, this movie is so like of its time. Yeah, yeah, it feels like 1994. Yep, it's down to like the whole uh, what was that great line you said? The is uh, her mom is Madonna. her mom is Madonna, her dad is Axl Rose. <laughs> yeah, like that's such a like well, okay. Now it's I very much it yeah, it's very much of the moment. Uh, yeah, but it, the action. And like the action and the chemistry between all the cast mm-hmm. and Bill Paxton all hold up immensely. Yeah, the machine is still going. I feel like the machine of the film, like it's perfect. Like everything, everything is, I think, going the way Cameron wants it to go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you see that from like the insane sequence with the horse uh, in the elevator and chasing a uh, a motorcycle through a, a fancy building to. Uh, a Harrier jet just chilling like a, a stalled uh, Lamborghini by the side of the top of a building. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just a lot of it's just a it's a ton of fun. Yeah. This movie, uh, it was nominated for one Academy Award, Best mm-hmm. Visual Effects. It did not win. Uh, we should say that uh, box office wise, uh, it made almost four hundred million. So everything went okay. <laughs> They're all in good shape. Uh, they talked about a sequel. They actually wrote it. They were pretty ready to go on it. And then, of course, like we mentioned, the attacks on September 11th uh, kind of yeah. ended there. That just wasn't going to happen. But apparently, uh, just in like a few weeks ago, February 10th, CBS announced a pilot order for a True Lies series. Wow. Which I was just talking with my brother because he screamed it on our Zoom and I don't think he had heard this. He's like, there should be a True Lies to show. And it is, I think that it does translate the general premise of kind of spy keeping a secret from his normal life. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, translate to a show. I mean, who knows? It. I think for as weird as he is playing a normal guy, a lot of this does rest on um, Arnold Schwarzenegger pulling off the action stuff in this and kind of being believed, you know, as the spy. Yeah. He's well, he, like a TV. They usually cast like a bland, handsome man. Yeah. You know, this is much more fun with this kind of larger than life guy. Yeah. Like you would have to. Um, yeah. Cause it's so funny to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger think he's getting tucked. Like that is like, the funniest yeah it's yeah. super funny yeah it's such a what a great juxtaposition of man and situation but uh uh and then you have tom arnold you know on his you know his swing man being like hey don't worry about it i've been checked multiple times my friend yeah i know <laughs> like, like it's well, so funny <laughs> yeah and also the implication that like every member of like this elite organization in american like you know uh whatever like this world's equivalent yeah. to the cia is everyone is a cuck oh yeah we we, yeah, we do need to reiterate too that in our text message chain it kind of ended with 
yeah, this probably happens in the real CAA. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it past it. It seems very possible that government funds have been used to figure out if someone's wife is cheating on them or something like that. You know, oh yeah, some insecure man somewhere with too much money and too much power is abusing it in the stupidest possible ways. And it's probably not nearly as funny. And he's probably not running into someone as goofy as Simon uh, in the process. And we should mention that the movie ends. We find out that Helen has kind of joined the team. And in a perfect symmetry, they're all spying. They tango. And guess who is one of the waiters at the place where they're covering? It's Simon. is trying to hook up with chicks again. And he pees his pants again. And it's... <laughs> it's stupid and it's funny and it and bill paxton humiliated one more time it's it's very funny it's stupid and it's very funny this was your first true lies screening patrick what did you i I got some idea of what you think but what what are your overall thoughts i think it's uh you know i think it's very fun i think it's like maybe this might be the funnest movie we've watched so far just like here like fun uh Bill Paxton, I 100% agree with you. Should have been nominated for an Oscar. Should have won the <laughs> Oscar Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Uh, the best, uh, like, was it? Ass of a 10-year-old boy. What an insane <laughs> line to say. Just so an, insane. Just an insane line to say. Just like, uh, this character is so slimy and, like, <laughs> just so low. What a low-status character. The best uh, part about that line is, like, it. Ta- you have to do a double take. When you hear it, you're like, Huh? What did you? What? <laughs> what? You're. I think you're trying to say something that sounds smooth and sexy, and that this is the exact opposite, my man. Like, yeah, this is like <laughs> yeah, this makes you a creep. Yeah, uh, this is it, but uh, like even creepier. Yeah, this is bad. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it is like it's a testament to the writing there because that is like a shocking line to this day. It will be shocking yeah. forever. Like that is a yeah. that is a forever shocking line. Yeah, and the enthusiasm for which he delivers it is pretty awesome. Yeah, just manic. He is manic yeah. at this point. But um, uh, you know, yeah, some stuff doesn't age well. Uh, Arnold Fantasy punches him right after he says that too. Oh, we should mention, that, which that is awesome. Rules. That part rules. And for a split second, I thought that actually happened. And I was like, yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, quick jump around that kind of gets you. Grant Heslov, Charlton Heston, uh, Tia Carrera, Art Malik, Tom Arnold, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Arnold, like Schwarzenegger, like perfectly cast. You know, uh, some stuff is a little problematic nowadays, uh, but it's definitely the one that's uh, aged the most poorly of all of Cameron's films. So uh, just go in with that in mind, and you'll have a pretty grand old time, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, be ready for a couple cringe moments, but also be ready to have your like jaw dropped. Yeah. By the amazing action sequences. Yeah, I would say like almost like there's like a part of me that's like there must be like I wish there was like a cut of this movie that was just like like the three action sequences and then all the stuff with Bill Paxton. <laughs> like that's like that to me. The movie like, would not be coherent, but it would also be very entertaining. <laughs> that would be like, yeah, that'd be like a fun, like uh, that'd be a fun cut. That's not the right. best way to see the movie, but that would be like a good, like if you needed a pick me up. Yeah, and we should note, uh, kind of a tough find 
right now. Uh, it's streaming. It is streaming, like on HBO right now or Amazon Prime. Like I was able. It's to on watch- Amazon Prime right now. Um, but I would, if you want to watch it, much like The Abyss, it's kind of in the same home video purgatory. Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch it, uh, definitely uh, check it out sooner more than later on Prime. We don't know how long it will be there and it's a super fun time if you haven't seen it before if you have seen it before it's fun to revisit yeah and patrick's right there's going to be a couple parts where you more than likely cringe a bit but overall it's not malicious and they uh are just trying to make a very fun movie yeah and i think they do like it's so looney tunes like when when the dude is like hanging on a a missile (laughs) <laughs> and then, like, gets shot off the missile, yeah. and is like, "Whoa!" And then <laughs> it goes, it runs into the. It's, it is is truly nuts. They 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 pull out all the stops in the third act. Yeah. Uh, so I guess as we get close to the end here, um, yeah, we're taking like a Terminator two, uh, Terminator, our true lies. Uh, Cameron, is just you know, success at this point is uh just through the roof he's making the most expensive movies ever made and he's making some of the biggest hits ever made it's just uh you know he's 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 got his own digital effects company he's um on he's married but on his way to getting divorced from linda hamilton (laughs) and uh he's now taking a look he around this time period he He'd always been interested in kind of the under the sea world, as we know, scuba, you know, starting with Piranha 2. Mm-hmm. He uh, went to his video shelf, though, and pulled out a copy of the old film, A Night to Remember, which is one of the first films about the sinking of the Titanic. And that inspired, it always fascinated him and inspired him to really simultaneously he's working on uh treatment for spider-man as well another long time dream project but he's kind of struck by this idea for making a love story in the midst of titanic as we all know uh that did lead to something rather big (laughs) in his career in life uh mind you by the time so Terminator 1 was released in 1984. We are now in 1994. In a 10-year, we've only covered a 10-year time period. Or a 12-year time period, if you include uh, Piranha. The sheer level of work done and the heights conquered in big, big budget movie making in a 10-year period of time is unbelievably impressive. Especially when you consider Titanic comes out in three years from True Lies. This is uh, the 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 work is astonishing. What he what he accomplishes in this time period, and I think this explains a lot as he goes into the long hiatus between True uh, Titanic and um, Avatar that we'll talk about in the next episode. Uh, but before we head out tonight, so. Cameron still on a huge roll. Uh, Patrick, we're taking a look at Terminator Two. We're taking a look at True Lies. What do you got between the two of them? This is a, this is, you know, it's getting tougher. Yeah. Each time. 
it's uh now that you were new to these two yeah i was and i and you know i had great fun with both uh you know it's so funny because like if i were to i would like watch true lies again i think before terminator 2 just because like the sequences are so fun and it's like such a breezy movie in comparison um yeah it's like hard to watch that like dream sequence over and over <laughs> again with terminator 2 uh, yeah it's still great that's why it's good um it shocks your system at the right the perfect time uh but uh yeah i think i'd have to give it to you know because uh, like tom arnold's a lot of fun and true lies too and like jamie lee curtis is very good but like yeah i think i have to I do have to give it to Terminator 2, I think. I have to give it to Terminator 2. I think that is like the, it's kind of like a perfect film. It's, you know, uh, it also feels in a way that True Lies isn't Terminator 2. I feel like a lot, I feel like like every snarky uh, boy character in a movie like stems from <laughs> Edward Furlong's <laughs> for like the next, like over the next like yeah. 30 years, like every character kind of like, uh, he has such like Bart Simpson energy. He has very like, oh yeah, same same cultural peak time period. Oh yeah, he's like a very he has huge smell you later energy. Yeah, eat my eat my shorts, Terminator. Yeah, eat my shorts, I Karumba Terminator. Yeah, I mean what are I mean all the lines he gives him are basically variations up even up to hasta la vista, baby. Oh, that's yeah. I can imagine Bart saying that. I can imagine a young Bart like a first. Boy, what a. Uh... That moment where he actually says us lose the baby. I, I kept thinking this time around. I was like, is this gonna be cheesy? I'm like, no, it worked. It like it really worked when he does it. It's just like, oh, that is cool. There's a reason that is a big, big, like all timer iconic line. Oh yeah. Like yeah, you know, like like Cameron delivers the cheese, but it's like an artisan cheese plate. Oh yeah. Like you want to one hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty much in the exact same boat as you. I think True Lies is like infinitely watchable. It's yeah. a fun time. It's a super fun time. I will probably watch True Lies again probably sooner Yeah. than Terminator 2. That being said, Terminator 2 is like perfect and one of the greatest films of its type ever made. And it's Terminator 2. Terminator 2 has a chance to be my number one mm. overall when we get to that in the next episode. So next episode, we're going to be covering the final two to this day, to this time, Cameron movies, uh, Titanic and Avatar. And then we're going to run through kind of a, we'll each do our top eights kind of in preferential order of uh, the definitive uh, James Cameron film list uh, before we head into, in two weeks time, our first episode of the official season two of the Academy Academy where all will be revealed when it comes to who we're going to be covering another tournament same as before and we anticipate this one's going to be quite heated but we're having a lot of fun just uh enjoying these uh enjoying these just thrill ride movies yeah vibe with us my friends and, yeah watch and, along yeah and uh, you know like are we doing the fabled eric roberts bracket are we doing yeah. the, the fabled uh, uh, Joe Estevez bracket? Has, has, this, has this been a bait and switch the entire time? And it's been Bill Paxton oh. the entire time. Yes. <laughs> it's been Michael Bean the entire time. 
Yes, the, the 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 Paxton puck. Who will take home the Paxton puck? Yeah. Do we already reveal it? Is it Simon in True Lies? Oh, just yeah. have you just have to keep listening, folks. Join join us next week. Avatar and Titanic. Titanic and Avatar should be a. a I think it's. I'm very excited for this conversation. We've not recorded this one yet, and uh, but I think uh, I think we'll have a lot to talk about. We certainly had a lot to talk about on this one. Uh, but thank you again for hanging with us uh, this week. We'll see you next week. Asta la vista, Don and Dan Stanton. There, that was that was that was the correct choice.